Thought Bubble Audio. Hi, I'm Kirsty. And I'm Kelsey. And it's time to hate watch with us. Welcome to our variety show for sarcastic people, because we're back! We're finally back, guys, and holy shit, it feels so good to be here right now. So, so good. So good! It's been so long. I've really missed you guys. I mean, I've talked to you once, but... Yeah, by the way, special shout out to Frank, who filled in for me. Thanks, bro. (laughs) That was really fun. That was a fun episode. Was it weird to have one that you didn't know about? Yeah. It was super weird. You got to be a listener? The good news is that I um, live somewhere in a hole in the fabric of space-time, so I kind of didn't know that it was Tuesday. Oh. Um, And so we had talked about the episode coming quite a bit. And so I, like, kind of knew in, like, the part of my rational brain that still exists somewhere under the fog of sleep deprivation. (laughs) And then I went into my uh, podcast app, and there was a new episode. And I was like, oh, that's what she meant. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, there it is. (laughs) For those of you wondering, I have an infant child in my house. (laughs) You sure do. (laughs) Which means that I now live in all time zones simultaneously because I'm awake every two hours. (laughs) It's not quite as quaint as when you lived in a time zone different from mine and we like had fun with it. (laughs) (laughs) No, this is not quite like the story of um, surviving friendship in a six hour time distance time difference wow the words the words this is like surviving life with no sleep (laughs) it's kind of like college except i'm not as young as i used to be Mm. what's really amazing about it is that it's so much better than being pregnant yeah it seems like it literally everyone was like just you wait see what's coming and guys i would take anything over being pregnant (laughs) Just throwing it out there. Specifically alcohol. Specifically the alcohol. And the oysters. And the oysters. I had sushi the other day. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. I have never enjoyed subpar sushi so much. There you go. I mean, like, let's be real about the sushi market in bumfuck Vermont. Yeah. But <laughs> you take what you can get. It ain't the freshest shit, but it'll do. Nah. As long as you don't get food poisoning, it's like, whatever. Right. We all take our chances. So, what are we here to talk about today, now that we're back? Yeah, speaking of taking our chances, uh, we wanted to catch up a little bit, because it's been a while since we've been at your ear holes. Mm -hmm. And uh, specifically, I was going to take you on a journey through what I've been catching up on in the last four weeks that I haven't been sleeping. And then... Uh, Some of you may or may not be aware that Netflix has dipped its toes into the waters of rom-coms, much to Kelsey's delight. (laughs) You call it dipping their toes, I call it the rom-com renaissance. (laughs) 
So we wanted to give Kelsey a soapbox. Yeah. Yes. I will stand on it and I will talk at you. <laughs> she she deserves it. So buckle <laughs> up, guys. Uh, so tell me about the fact that you actually watch TV for the first time in a while. <laughs> so I finally watched some content. You did. Um, it started at the very end of my pregnancy, like a couple days before I went into labor, because I basically started my maternity leave early because I was dying. <laughs> couldn't function. Uh, it turns out a combination of nausea and high blood pressure makes it impossible to be a human being. Yeah. So um, the last like week before I had an infant child, uh, I caught up on Bob's Burgers and Grand Designs. Yes. Which was very exciting. I suddenly understand a lot of inside jokes between you and my mom. <laughs> you do. We had that whole conversation. <laughs> Kelsey came up after the birth of my child, and she and my mom hung out in my hospital room and just bonded over grand designs. <laughs> like, it's fine. Kelsey can be the daughter you never had. <laughs> it's fine. Totally fine. <laughs> I'm just the one who gave you a grandchild, but like, fine. Kelsey watches the same TV as you. It's important television. <laughs> They had some really good talks about the epic failure that's Grand Designs Australia. Yeah, it's not which good. I'm just protesting. I've decided I don't need a cut rate, Kevin McLeod. You sure do not. Ain't nobody got time for that. Mm-mm. So I caught up on Grand Designs and have a lot of feelings about how self-aware the episode order is. Mm-hmm. Like, their producers know how to tell a season narrative. (laughs) Like, who knew that you could serialize a docu-series about random people building expensive houses in England? No, you definitely can. They can, and they did. Uh, I wonder how much of that is Kevin McLeod's doing. I think a lot of that show is Kevin McLeod's doing, like, maybe more than he gets credit for. Is he listed as an executive producer anywhere? He's definitely listed as a writer, so I would imagine he's everything. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Oh, that's nice to know that he writes his own monologues. Doesn't that make it better? It makes it so much better. (laughs) It would have been really distressing to find out that Kevin MacLeod had a ghostwriter. Oh my god. We don't know that for sure, but... (laughs) Fair enough. I just, whenever he's monologuing, I feel like he's speaking, like, the truth of his soul. And I would just be disappointed to find out that that was, like, some schmuck in a writer's room. I just want to, like, be there for when he suddenly is like, oh, oh, all right, let me get up on this roof, and you're going to get the drone. (laughs) Do you think he, like, stockpiles a few monologues and then matches them to the house? Or does he write them specific for each episode? I think they're specific for each episode, and they're specific for what he wants it to be, whether or not it actually becomes that. Oh, there that is definitely true. There were definitely a couple episodes where I was like, this, I don't know if your producers just, like, couldn't figure out how to run an edit, but this was not the narrative of the episode. Yeah. It's almost like he just comes up with witty lines and then wants to use them. It's true. But he, like, teased them off in the beginning. So I don't know, like, if those are all done at the same time or not, also. Well, they must be done in post. 
They're usually on the property, though. I would still think, though, that they would be filming that at the end of the project and not, like, at the beginning. I would like to think so. I mean, I haven't taken note of what his outfit is at the beginning, but I should do that so then we can find out. The real test would be uh, taking note of the color of his hair for the projects that are, like, six years. (laughs) Oh, Kevin. Oh, Kevin. (laughs) My poor, poor Kevin. Ugh. Him in his bespoke suit. (laughs) I just want him to get a second one. Like, the blue one is overdone, sir. But it's, like, so on brand. It is on brand. What if he has, like, seven of that blue suit? He may. What if it's just, like, his color, and he just thinks that he looks so good in it that he just keeps having the same suit made over and over again? I definitely read an interview with him where he talked about that suit, and then he talked about how he has that little scarf piece, and sometimes he wears the scarf piece with, like, a jacket. It's just so (laughs) versatile. Sometimes he just wears the jacket portion, like, the blazer portion. Sometimes he just wears, like, the pants. It's a whole thing. I was noticing uh, in the last, like, four episodes of the season that I watched that uh, he changes his outfit based on, like, the pretentiousness of the owner. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Like, he's trying to blend into the landscape. (laughs) So I think it was the episode with the guy who builds the boathouse. He shows up to the reveal in, like, jeans and flannel or some shit. Yeah. Super and this casual. was right after the giant gallery house where he was in the bespoke suit. And I was like, oh, Kev dog, that is not subtle. <laughs> but it's so charming. He's like trying so hard to be Joe Lunchpail in his fucking jeans. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so that was what I was doing back then. And then um, Wait. when what? Did we address Bob's Burgers yet? Uh, I was going to come back to it because Bob's Burgers transitioned me into new parenthood. Okay. Okay. So um, then I started watching Bob's Burgers when we got discharged. Yep. So that's what I was watching at like the height of the sleep deprivation. And let me tell you, that is the most ideal way to watch Bob's Burgers. (laughs) Is it? That show has never been more charming to me than it was at, like, 2 a.m. when I was trying to figure out how to breastfeed a screaming child. (laughs) (laughs) And they're, like, making fart jokes. Oh, yeah. All over the place. I love that. (laughs) Um, So it was also a particularly good season. Right? Yeah. I felt like, I can't remember, I know I haven't watched all of the middle seasons, um, but whichever one I had gotten to, I want to say it was like season four maybe, I was kind of lukewarm on it at the time that I was watching it. Yeah. But this season was really good. Yeah. It's an easy show to kind of like back burner. Yeah, and for sure. And this season in particular, like we watched on demand like somewhat in real time and Every week, I'd be like, oh, I think we have a Bob's Burgers to watch. Like, I got excited about it, which is not always the case for Bob's Burgers. Right. Did you see the Christmas episode? I did. Wasn't that excellent? It was. <laughs> I feel like I want to watch it again 
when I'm like more in my right mind. Because I definitely remember, and I think I probably sent you some messages in Slack, but I definitely remember there being some like lines and some bits that I wanted to bring with me into my real life. <laughs> Just some like real quotable content. Yep. Um, and now none of it is in my brain anymore. No. No. But it's particularly good binging. Yes. There was some really good Teddy stuff. Like they made some real good use mm-hmm. of him this season. Yeah. Which is great. It was really, really good. Um, and then I finally finished Brooklyn Nine Nine. You did! Yay! You I can support did. Brooklyn Nine Nine again. I finally got there <laughs> after the great Brooklyn Nine Nine fight of 2018. Yep, which you saw right here in real time on this podcast. <laughs> I finally did my civic duty. You did. You know, I listened to a. Um, podcast shout out, TV Campfire from ATX Festival is really good if you haven't listened to it, but I listened to one of, they're basically airing all their panels from their conference, if you want to call it that. What do we call uh-huh. that? Festival? It's a festival. Sure. <laughs> it's in the title. Yeah. Uh, anyway, but one of the people on there confirmed my theory and said at the end of the day... It's up to us to watch the content in order to get more content like it made. Sure, sure. <laughs> but anyway, I was trying to I was trying to think of something snappy to say to it and like I don't really have anything snappy to say to it cuz it's nope. not wrong. Nope. It's just like I wish that networks understood what it was like for those of us out there trying to have it all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really sorry for you. <laughs> I've decided that my new brand is really um, leaning into the trope of women trying to have it all. <laughs> yeah. 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 How's that going for you? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I finished watching that. Yep. I have um, some good fuel for our upcoming episode segment on TV weddings. You sure do. So get hype. How did you feel about Gina Rodriguez? Oh, she was great this season. Right? I there. She's coming back next season, right? I don't know. I thought I saw that she. they had confirmed that she was going to come back for a couple episodes. I certainly hope so. It was a good, good use of her. Yeah. I'm still not convinced I like exactly how they're playing out Rosa's subplot, but I like Gina Rodriguez and everything she's in, so I don't really care. <laughs> right. Yeah. So then I watched that. Yeah. And uh, now what I'm on, which has taken me, I think I've been on it for two weeks now, but time is meaningless, so it's hard to know. Um. So let me go back and tell you the backstory here. I made a Hulu account. Even mm-hmm. though we swore not to support the evil empire. <laughs> Eventually, you have to support the evil empire. Yep. Uh, and I had forgotten, actually, that we had this account. And then about three weeks ago, it was like right after we got discharged, I got a text from my mom in the middle of the night that said that um, MASH and Wings were now on Hulu and she needed to get a Hulu account. And I was like, shit, I have a Hulu account. <laughs> That's awesome. So that's how I remembered that I've been paying Hulu for like three months. Yep. 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 
Um, so now I'm watching Wings, which uh-huh. for those of you who don't know, it's like the super like niche 90s sitcom about a bunch of people in a podunk airport on Nantucket. Yep. And I learned recently, because uh, I was doing some weird Googling as you do at 3 a.m., that it has a bit of a cult following now. It definitely does. I've heard other people talk about it. Yeah. You know what's weird is um, about four or five months ago, I was listening to some McElroy podcast, probably My Brother, My Brother, and Me, and they did like a whole bit about growing up watching Wings. Yeah. I've heard, like, I think Alice and Shoemaker talk about it on something, too. Oh, really? I think so. That makes me like her even more. <laughs> <laughs> I was reading an interview with um, one of the actors from the show, and he was talking about how, at the time, it, you know, it stayed on for, like, seven seasons or something, so it didn't do poorly, but it always kind of middled in the ratings. Like, it never really, like broke out yeah and he was saying that at the time it made him feel really shitty and like kind of insecure and it was a little bit of like what are we even doing here and now he like goes back and watches it and is like we were doing really good television so fuck everybody (laughs) (laughs) like what the fuck is your problem right um and on that note wings has been a really interesting rewatch for me For two reasons. It's probably been, like, ten years since the last time I watched it. Yeah. And I grew up watching it live. Like, we would watch it every night or every week when it would air. You watched live television? Yeah, we had TV when I was a kid (laughs) off and on. I'm just giving you a hard time. I know. (laughs) Wings was, like, the only thing that I actually watched. Yeah. To be fair, because I had no attention span. Shocking. Um... So, two things that have been really interesting. One, this show holds up in a way that other, like, sitcoms of its time don't. In, like, the things they say are not Yeah. Okay. Yeah, like the problematic fave sense. Um, it's, it's particularly interesting because I watched Friends, too. Yeah. I didn't watch it until it was off the air, but I w- had the DVD set, and I watched that, like, basically on loop for all of high school. Um, And then I've rewatched it a couple times since it's come to Netflix. And as the years have gone on, I've had a harder and harder time watching it. But now having rewatched Wings, it makes me feel completely differently about Friends because Friends came a little bit afterwards and it's like, what the fuck were you guys doing? Yeah. So the thing about Wings is there's definitely still some problematic fave stuff going on. Um, there's, they're definitely playing with, like, the sexism and womanizing and whatever at the time. Yeah. And fat shaming. There's a lot of fat shaming. I mean, it's the 90s or the 80s. It was the 90s. 90s. Uh, it was 90 to 97. Yeah. Yeah. So, there was still a lot of that, but the characters within the show all knew that that was bad behavior. So, even though they were all doing it, they were all calling each other out for it. Ah. And all things considered, it comes off as kind of harmless, mm-hmm. you know, as harmless as, like, fat shaming can be, um, in ways that Friends feels really icky. Yeah. Like, it just doesn't have the ick factor. That's good, though. It's it's fascinating. I, yeah. I really appreciate it. I didn't know it was on Hulu, but... It's, like, on my list of 
old shows that I want to watch at some point. Oh, <laughs> with, you like, should. Cheers and the rest of Felicity. <laughs> so, if it helps at all, Wings um, is the same three creators as Cheers. Yeah. And there's a shitload of crossover episodes, which I could do without. But, you know, people watching network television at the time cared about it. Right. There, there are so many, like, really iconic episodes, though, and, you know, my mom and I make jokes all the time, like, they're transferable to real life. Yeah. And the other thing that I think is valuable to my second life as a amateur television critic <laughs> is, <laughs> for the first time in basically my entire life, it's given me an appreciation for the basic format of the half-hour sitcom. Okay. I feel like I actually understand the role of the half-hour sitcom in the television landscape right now. Like the very traditional half-hour sitcom? Yeah. 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 Wings was not trying to do anything groundbreaking. It was very much in the mold of the half-hour sitcom. You have your 22 minutes, you goof a little bit, you take some cues from slapstick comedy, you have your commercial breaks, you get the fuck out of there. Yep. <laughs> Nothing happens. Nothing happens. It's completely harmless. And they do a few episodes that have, like, some high-stakes plots. Like, there's an episode with a bank robber. Mm-hmm. And um, he tries to get away on the on their plane, and they, like, have to capture him and take him back to be arrested. And there's an episode where one of the actors was leaving the show, so they had to get rid of his character. So they decided to put him in witness protection for ah. um, seeing, like, a mob hit go yeah. down. So, like, they do some serious episodes. Do they have any very special episodes? They don't! Wow. It's incredible. It's like they do these, like, high-stakes plots here and there, but it never turns into the very special episode. I feel like that was prime 90s content, too. Oh, my God. They they didn't do it, and I love them so much for it. <laughs> and, you know, they definitely have some scenes where they have heart-to-hearts. Like, the two main characters are brothers, and one of them is, like, the super straight man, like, has his shit together, has a reputation for being compulsive, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And the other guy is kind of a fuck-up, like, failed out of Princeton, failed out of NASA, whatever. So they're... Um, you know, opposites, and that's the constant tension of the show. Yeah. So they have, like, a lot of heart-to-hearts, and there's a lot of that stuff. But it's never very special episode territory. That is nice. It's great. It's just, like, they do a lot of, like, genuine stuff that they don't draw out. You get, like, two or three exchanges in any one scene, and then we move on. Yeah. It's great. Wow. I'm really glad for you. I'm glad for me, too. So that's what I'm working on right now. I'm in season five, I believe. Mm-hmm. So I'm almost done. And then I'm not... I think what's next probably is uh, I've owed you for a long time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, Everwood. Yep. So I think I'm going to go in a completely different direction and try Everwood. I'm really excited for you. We'll see how it goes, because right now I'm watching everything in about 15 to 30 minute breaks at between the hours of like midnight and 5 a.m. Yeah. Not so, ideal for all content, but. No. no, typically how it works is like I come in in the last half or third of an episode of Wings and then start the next one. 
<laughs> so yeah. I'm just like always on yeah. this loop of have finished episodes. Yeah. So then the the other things that happened now that I've been exposed to content mm-hmm. are that I've uh, been watching Hulu commercials. <laughs> and because yeah, because I don't have cable and I pretty much only watch Netflix, I never watch commercials. So commercials have been a shock to my system. Hulu commercials are particularly terrible, too. Dear Lord, they are the worst. I have multiple complaints. My first complaint. <laughs> Hulu, why do you always offer me interactive ads? And then if I choose the interactive ad, continue to give me traditional ads. What Aww. fucking game do you think I'm playing? So I always pick the traditional ads, and then I just want to be able to go to my account settings and be like, dear Hulu, please only ever give me traditional ads. I will make the same choice every goddamn time. No. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> so there was a period where every single commercial break, the little narrator would pop up and be like, you could do an interactive ad. And I'd be like, fuck you. <laughs> I've already clicked this 10 times this yep. episode. And it's usually the same ad. It's always the same goddamn ad. Mm-hmm. So for the last, like, 15 episodes, it's been that ad for St. Jude's Children's Hospital. I don't know if I've seen that one. Okay, so it's this, like, squirrely little doctor man who's probably just an actor. Yeah. And uh, he's talking about the research that they do at St. Jude's. And he has the creepiest fucking whisper voice. Like, Ooh. why are you speaking so silently, my dear friend? Like, his levels are fine because he's got a microphone, and yet he's speaking too quietly. And he he says some weird shit, like, something about how our goal at St. Jude's is to figure out what makes this cancer tick. Like, is the cancer oh. a mob boss? And you're a detective in a film noir? i hate that (laughs) and then at the very end he says like our number one goal at saint jude's is to beat this thing and his voice trails off just (laughs) like that beat this thing i definitely have not seen that commercial oh my god it's so weird oh and at one point he says the words this is the miracle story of modern medicine like what the fuck is a miracle story oh besides the movie miracle (laughs) (laughs) this is the miracle story of modern medicine wow i know you're saving lives out there but you sound like an idiot yeah that one's fun why is he whisper talking it's creepy So, so you would like an interactive ad that let you provided feedback? <laughs> yeah, if I could have an interactive ad that allows me to speak to that guy. Yeah, yeah. That's... Just like you're a grown-ass man talking about taking care of vulnerable children. Like, maybe use a normal tone of voice to talk. <laughs> Here at St. Jude's, we only talk like this. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> I feel like hashtag triggered every time that commercial starts. It's like I know, like even before, like as the screen is fading in, I know it's going to be that one. And I'm like, God damn it, Hulu. Oh, no. I've already heard the miracle story of modern medicine tonight. Ugh. 
I keep getting one, and I think it's on demand, but on-demand commercials have gotten worse than Hulu, I feel like. And I keep getting one that's for Watchmen, which prevents strokes, <laughs> and I know all about it because I've literally seen this commercial 10,000 times. That's amazing. It's this old guy, and he falls off, or falls down, and his head won't stop bleeding, and then his daughter <laughs> takes him to the hospital, and then she's like, this is the third time he's been admitted with a serious bleed. Are you sure this medicine is working? Oh my god. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> and I keep watching it every fucking day. I What am I on right now? It goes in batches, so I'll get yeah. like... You know, one commercial for, like, five or six episodes, and then I'll get a new one. I think right now I'm on an ADT slash Alexa commercial. Oh. Uh, where, like, a mother and her small child are asleep on the couch, and the husband comes and, like, quietly wakes the mother to take them all to bed. And as he's carrying his toddler sleepily up the stairs, he says, Alexa, tell ADT to engage goodnight mode. And then they all go to bed. One of the things you definitely need Alexa for. <laughs> Hitting a button is too hard. <laughs> Way too hard. They also have a Nest thermostat Okay. that they show ADT adjusting the temperature on. And the thing that's most interesting to me about it, aside from all the product integration, is that they set it to 68 degrees. For a nighttime temperature? Yeah, who's trying to sleep in a 68 degree house? I mean, I feel like it should be colder. Oh, no. Oh. Yeah, I thought that was too cold. At the end of my pregnancy, I was leaving the AC on to 70. My husband and I got into a thermostat war for a couple weeks, and he was, like, yeah. literally going to bed wearing flannel pajamas. Oh, see, I like to sleep in a cold room. Yeah. Because I think I sleep better, and I like having, like, multiple blankets on. Yeah, I keep it cool enough that I can have my blankets, because I like being in a poofy cloud of poof poof. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think in, in the winter, we put our heat at, like, 65 at night. Yeah, uh, we keep ours around, like, 68 or 70. Yeah. But heat is different than AC. Yes, true. You know? Mm-hmm. <sighs> so interesting. So interesting. Adventures and commercials. Adventures and commercials. So I also kind of forgot that networks were still making disaster dramas, and that was the other thing I was exposed to. Yeah. You sure were. I'm very excited about all of them. I'm going to watch all the pilots. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I'm curious if, because you're going to have to watch on CW Seed for Everwood. Mm -hmm. I'm curious if they'll have commercials or not. I think they did for Jane the Virgin. Oh, okay. Or that was on the CW proper app. Yeah. Which is different than CW Seed. I think so, right? But yeah. they're both free, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, because on the CW app, I was getting ads for CW Seed, and yeah. it was like, what the yeah. fuck, CW? Yeah. So Just do, do one thing. That'll be a new adventure. It will be. I feel like everyone isn't going to last for long for you. How many seasons is it? Four. Three. Four. Three. I think it's four. Oh. I don't recall. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's four. It's like very, it's like medical procedural slash 
white bread family time. You know, every time I think I know what Everwood's about, I learn something new and have no idea what's happening anymore. Yeah, wait till I tell you what I learned about it recently. Oh, wow. I'll, I'll wait till you watch it and we have that episode, but it's a wildly different premise than what it was originally supposed to be. How much of it is based around the miracle story of modern medicine? Um, maybe more than you think. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> like, a lot more than you think. <laughs> Oh, boy. Uh, I'm really excited for you to watch an episode. <laughs> <laughs> Me, too. Ugh. So. So that's what I've been up to. What have you been up to, Kelsey? Um, I've been just delighted yet again. <laughs> by <laughs> Netflix. Watch Kelsey's Joy Part 2. Right. <laughs> This is a segment called Netflix, What Have You Done? (laughs) Netflix. Netflix. What have you done? What have you done? Which is very different than our normal approach. Netflix, what the fuck have you done? Netflix, what have you done? (laughs) Yeah. The tone there is very important. Uh, (laughs) So I'm going to talk about Netflix's adventures and rom-coms uh that are only on the rise since we started at the very bottom with the where we first met when we first met unclear (laughs) (laughs) that movie was bad don't watch it you know that was not that long ago no they really cranked some shit out in the meantime yeah so i believe just following the trend that they seem to be taking of just, like, picking up mid-tier projects and releasing them. Uh, I want to say in June-ish timeframe, Set It Up got released, and this was one of the first Netflix rom-coms, if not the first one, there's been a few now, that Twitter, like, freaked out about, and I was very, like, hesitant because it was a Netflix rom-com, but also excited because Twitter was excited. I was like, well, if they like it, maybe I like it too. Not true <laughs> of all things on Twitter, but true of, true of the rom-com landscape. <laughs> um, so I watched this on a flight, and it's 90 minutes. It's like really easy to watch. And this one is about two uh, executive assistants who... Are, it's kind of like Devil Wears Prada-esque. Like, their whole life is devoted to just assisting their boss. And they don't really have their own lives. So they decide to, like, parent trap their bosses <laughs> uh, so that they can get their own lives back. That's a really, really interesting premise. And they do call it out as parent trapping at one point. <laughs> That's really funny. So I was immediately delighted. Um it's really, like, cliche, formulaic rom-com material, down to, like, the title and the poster, and, like, everything is very, um, it's following in that format. It, there's no surprises, but it's also mm-hmm. delightful, <laughs> and it's sort of doing, it felt a lot like going back to the, um, 
like the good old days of rom-coms, not the Badlands, but like just before the Badlands, where you were mm-hmm, getting a mm-hmm. lot of like, okay, pretty decent, fun time to watch once type of rom-coms. Uh, and this one f- just felt like comfortable because it hit all the notes that you wanted it to hit. <laughs> um, They had some like fun banter with like they try to have they try to set up a meet cute with their bosses by stopping the elevators and um what's his name from Brooklyn not Brooklyn nine nine wow Kimmy Schmidt um with Titus? the line yes he's he's the guy who works in the basement running the elevators. Oh that's and he's fun. awesome. He's really funny. Uh and he likes to have plants, but they always die. So he has, like, this pile of dead succulents. It's, like, really great. <laughs> <laughs> but, so they try to get them to stop in the elevator, to stop the elevator and have them, like, be forced to meet because it's, like, a stressful situation. And then this, like, disgusting person gets on the elevator with them and starts, like, taking off his clothes because he's stressed out because <laughs> the elevator stopped and they're in, like, opposite corners. Like, what the fuck is happening? Oh, my God. So there's a lot of, like, just goofy fun uh it's not um it's not as like clean and pure as the next one i'm going to talk about it's like a little raunchier but it does not have that like judd apatow like sting of like dick jokes everywhere Mm -hmm. um and the other thing i liked about it is that um both of the leads are like um, they're, like, late 20s-ish, but they did a good job of not making them, like, irritating millennials. They were, like, normal millennials. <laughs> and they both had, like, their jobs were legitimate for what they were trying to achieve. It wasn't, like, I'm working a crappy job and I hate it. It's, like, well, this is what I'm tra- trying to achieve and here's why I'm working here to get there. Uh, so they tried to legitimize that. And I liked that both of the women, so the, um, like, rom-com lead and then her boss, both, um, her boss was a sports journalist and had, like, a publication, and then her staff person also wanted to work in that, and I thought that was neat. (laughs) So basically, there were multiple things that were pandering directly to you. Yes, correct. (laughs) (laughs) Like, someone took the Kelsey alg- algorithm and wrote it into a rom-com. Yeah, it was really fun. <laughs> um, so that was set it up. And then within like a month, the internet had an absolute meltdown because this movie called To All the Boys I've Loved Before came out. Oh my God. Twitter is going to fucking implode on itself over this movie. <laughs> I am so thrilled. <laughs> like, I got an ad for this movie on Instagram, I think, from Netflix, and I was like, they're hitting the right audience, but also this is definitely, like, YA fiction for <laughs> of a movie, and, like, it's not really for me, but I think I would really like it, and I was kind of on the fence, and then all of Twitter was just, like, shamelessly obsessed with it as if everyone was 16 again. (laughs) (laughs) Although, wasn't that one of your, like, fundamental arguments from rom-com education was that 
there's space in, like, the landscape for that kind of content? Yes, there is space in the landscape for that kind of content. (laughs) I feel like it goes to that, like, classic argument that, you know, we delegitimize things that are targeted particularly towards young women. Yeah. And yet, like, stuff that's targeted towards young women is often really satisfying. And so stop shaming it just because young women are attached to it. Yeah, and I think that's definitely happened here. And this movie calls back, I mean, a lot of rom-coms about teenagers exist. Like, look at the 80s. Right. Um, and this movie like, calls back to that stuff a lot. Um, but this is based on a book, and it's about this girl who has two sisters uh, that she's, like, pretty close with, and she reminds me of, like, young Jane from Jane the Virgin. Mm. Like, she could easily, easily be her because she loves, like, romance novels and has this, like, wild imagination, um... And she has these secret love letters that she's written to all the boys that she had crushes on. So there's five of them. Mm-hmm. And her younger sister, who is hilarious, um, decides to send them to all of the boys. Oh, boy. And so it becomes this, like, huge disaster of, like, a social situation. And so she basically decides, because one of them goes to her older sister's ex-boyfriend, who's, like, boy next door. And so to cover that up, she creates a fake relationship with one of the other people who got a letter. Oh, boy. Because he's trying to make his ex-girlfriend jealous, and she's trying to cover up the fact that she basically told this guy that she liked him. And it's really fun. Um, He is, like, A very good teenage boy. (laughs) (laughs) Which is a rare thing. Yes. Very rare. Yes. Um, Everyone on the internet is obsessed simultaneously with Peter Kavinsky and with her dad. (laughs) (laughs) It's my favorite dynamic. (laughs) That's so funny. Catherine Van Arendonk sent out, like, a tweet storm of gifts of the dad, like, Every single scene he's in. <laughs> it's really Was wonderful. this when she learned how to make Tumblr gifts and was very proud of herself? Uh, possibly. It was very recently. Yeah. But my favorite thing about this, besides the fact that it's adorable, is that um, the memes have been incredible. The memes are the best shit. Like, this is what I stay on Twitter for. Mm-hmm. Every single one is incredible. There was one with Bob's Burgers uh, screenshots the other day that was really good. And my favorite one so far has been to all the bakes I've yet to eat. Hashtag GBBO. <laughs> I saw that one today. It's so good. I love it so much. It's so pure. So pure. This movie is very, very, very pure. And like, I th- would watch it with my mom. Like, it's so fun. And... I also feel like it's a good, actually good movie for actual teens, (laughs) which also seems like a breath of fresh air because what do they have to watch? Like Riverdale? Yeah, there's no content for teens right now. Yeah. And if it is, it's vampires. Right. I think still, right? I think, 
Eh, is it? I think so. Well, that... I don't know. I, th- I, don't know. I don't know what Riverdale is, so... <laughs> There's something to do with cheerleaders. Yeah. Yeah. Um... <laughs> I just feel like there's not a lot of good content in the world at all, but this is, like, a very pure and nice um, movie, and it comes from a nice place, and it's fun, and it's colorful, and... So it's, like, the opposite of prestige TV. Yeah. I mean, it it was very Jane the Virgin-y. Yeah. In all the good ways. Not in a bad way, but in a, like... It is very colorful, and it is, like, a little zany and weird and awesome. What's the ratio of, like, written for teens, for, like, current teens, versus written for adults who have a memory of being a teen? Of the, For this movie? Yeah. Um, that's a good question. I think a lot of it is very relatable for like the modern teen yeah like there's stuff about like oh this video went on instagram and now we have to delete it and there's things that i didn't have to deal with right (laughs) for sure um i don't think any like most teenage girls are probably not like worried about (laughs) their secret love letters going out to random boys (laughs) but i think it has like Again, it's hitting those rom-com notes that everyone kind of knows has seen a rom-com. You know what I mean? You can hit those same notes and that part is relatable to everyone. But I think it's it's like 60-40 probably skewed towards actual teens. Gotcha. It's been interesting um, since Bo Burnham has been on press tour for eighth grade. Yeah, because I feel like it's that's something people have talked about a lot. And I know it's been written about a lot in general with regards to the teen movies of the 80s that, you know, teens were watching them, that they were really written about adults for all intents and purposes, like adult skewed memories of what it was like to be a teenager. Yeah. Um, And then like the effect that that has on the experience of current teenagers. Yep. And so it's been interesting because that conversation has been alive and well with eighth grade being on press tour. Um, So it's interesting that this is also like a teen focused movie. Yeah. And I think like the scale of the issues uh, are more teen oriented, like all sort of like whatever is the most dramatic thing and the repercussions of that in the scheme of things is not the most dramatic thing, but right. that's the one that it latches onto because that's the one that as a like 16 year old you would latch onto. Right, right. But I really hope they keep doing this. It seems like that's the path that they're on. They've had a really strong success rate. Um, <laughs> the internet has been out of control. Yeah, rom-com really fever great. has hit Twitter. I'm glad that everyone is desperate for it, not just a few people. Well, there's been a hole in the market since about 2005. Mm-hmm. But, like, you can't just raise an entire generation of people on a specific brand of content and then stop creating it. Right. It's like, it's the ultimate supply and demand issue. You create the demand and then just decide the supply doesn't matter ever again. <laughs> Which is such a weird move. It's a super weird move. 
And, like, I know we tried to fill it with, like, man rom-coms, and that was fine for, like, a day, but it's yeah. not the same as just making rom-coms. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, I think it, like, I, we talked about it during rom-com education a little bit, but it's not something that could have happened 10 years earlier, because people aren't trying to pay you know, 16 bucks to go see a middling nothing movie, but to kill the 90 minutes on Netflix for a middling movie is nothing. Yeah. And I think, like, honestly, Netflix distribution helps for this type of a thing. Like, this movie would have been released in a small, you know, a small release. I don't think it would have had the same reaction. But I also think they had good timing because Crazy Rich Asians came out at the same time, and there's some, like... That one is a obviously like I think all Asian cast, and this one like she's a Korean American, um, mm. so there's like a whole thing with that. Um, so I think they're just like hitting the right notes at the right time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm so excited! It's really great. <laughs> the I rom-com think, gods finally listen to your prayers. I think you would appreciate this one. A lot. Yeah, actually. I can't decide if I want to give it a go or not, mostly because I'm kind of enjoying the memes without having any context. <laughs> like, that must memes be an are experience. the experience. They're the most fun for me when I have no idea what's actually going on. How long did it take you to find out what it was? <laughs> the memes? Yeah. Oh, only like 15 minutes. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm a good meme detective. I spend a lot of time reading shit I don't understand on Twitter. Uh mm-hmm. huh. So I, I actually get most of my news because I'll see a random meme. Yep. Like, uh, what was the one that I saw the other day? Oh, there was some meme about uh, something about Pope Francis and his Pope hat or some shit. And, you know, within three minutes or less, I had the whole context figured out just from that one tweet. <laughs> I'm a good good tweet detective. There you go. <laughs> Uh, cause, you know, my whole timeline is just, like, memes of the news of the day. And the news of the day moves so fast. It does move so fast. Yeah. Gotta keep up. Yeah, especially on rom-coms. <laughs> All those rom-com memes. Actually, what's amazing is that there are probably about as many, uh, rom-com memes on my timeline at any given time as there are Trump memes. Isn't it an amazing world that we live in? <laughs> It is a weird fucking time to be alive. (laughs) I, for one, am here for half of that timeline. Someday, my infant child is going to be listening to, you know, the historic reels from the time, such as this, from the post-apocalyptic, like, (laughs) time beyond the nuclear fallout. Yeah. And... We're all going to have to explain to her in retrospect how this was all possible at at one time. So you see, Peter Kavinsky. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Like tweets about Ariana Grande's ponytail and the pocket spin. And also, you know, the nuclear apocalypse. It's fine. It's totally fine. fine. It's fine. As long as there's rom-coms, we'll be fine. (laughs) And so far, there will always be rom-coms. Who knew Netflix would be, like, finding this needle in a haystack? 
mean, I'm not that surprised because basically their um, approach is to get like content spaghetti and throw it at the wall and see what sticks. And their method for doing so is to get as much fucking spaghetti as possible <laughs> on like the smallest wall. Right. Right. For optimal sticking. I do need someone to be like the reporter who's going to watch all of them though and tell me which <laughs> ones are good. Like I do need that um sort of uh gatekeeper. Right. Is the word I wanted. So far like Twitter has been that. Um and once I see a certain threshold, I'm like, oh, okay, I'll try this. And I haven't mm-hmm. been disappointed yet. But the more that come out, I mean, I know how Netflix works, right? They're going to make like 10,000 and some are going to be a Christmas prince and (laughs) some are going to be these. Yo, we were on hiatus when this happened, so we did not get to talk about it. Red alert, red alert. Red alert. Christmas prince too. (laughs) A royal engagement (laughs) is going to be coming to our screens this winter. As someone who thoroughly enjoyed all of the ridiculousness of the royal wedding, I'm particularly excited for a royal engagement. I'm super nervous about it because I don't think they really understood the hate watch fire they were playing with when they made the first one. And now they're making the second one because they know. Yeah. And I, I feel like the thing about a good hate watch is it either has to be like so self-aware or not at all self-aware, but you can't, fall in the middle no you i think it's gonna be trying too hard right you know like the beauty of it was how haphazard it was like the notes that she wrote for her very important journalism (laughs) like now they're going to sit down and be like okay how do we make these notes bad yeah yeah you know like yeah it's not to me it's not like Hallmark movies where I think they know that what they're making is kind of bad but they're doing it sincerely. Wait, speaking of, we also learned that Chad Michael Murray is going to be in a Hallmark movie so stay tuned. It's going to be a really good Hallmark Christmas this year, guys. The one thing I wish they would make a second one of is a prince for Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Like, that's the sequel I want. (laughs) That is the sequel I want. Only because, can you imagine how Sam Hewen would look in those white pants now? Ugh, I want to imagine. (laughs) Like, that was before Charity CrossFit. I mean... Now you put him in those riding pants? Like, hot damn. He could also just be the Yule Log this year, and I'd be fine with that, too. (laughs) (laughs) stars if you're out there guys you missed us you missed us so much so much (laughs) Uh, all right so Uh, if you want to stick around for more content like this now that we're back now that we make content again we should be around every week or two right yeah, you'll see us next week. <laughs> Episodes come out on Tuesdays because we know how to keep a schedule. <laughs> totally. Totally. Um, if you have any thoughts about rom-coms 
or this whole past season of television that Kirsty missed, or Wings, specifically. <laughs> um, or you if could... you have suggestions for television that got you through your insomnia, whether you were up with an infant child or not. Yep. Also valid. Um, yep. You can send any of that to us on Twitter at HateWatchWithUs or HateWatchWithUs at gmail.com. You can also find our website, if you want to, at HateWatchWithUs.com. You can visit Thought Bubble Audio to find lots of other shows, including Frank shows, because Frank was here last week. And what am I missing? Uh, you can find our podcast in all the places that you get podcasts, including Spotify now. Yeah, we made it. Took we made it. <laughs> and you can rate and review us on iTunes if you want. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was yeah. trying to think of something clever about rom-coms, and I, it didn't happen. No, but, but they're the content, and we're content, and uh, more content. So thanks for listening. If you want to write us a love letter. See, I got there. Oh, there it is. Hey. hey. Oh, anyway. Um, yeah. Thanks for listening. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.